Welcome to The Author's Journey with number one international best-selling author and in-demand publisher, Rebecca Hall Greider. Today, we'll showcase the works of an amazing best-selling author, find out the story behind their book, and explore ways to bring your message powerfully forward. Now, here's your host, Rebecca Hall Greider. Welcome, everyone. I hope that you're having an amazing day. Honored to be connecting in with you on the author's journey, where we have the privilege and honor of talking with best-selling authors, really pulling back the curtain and discovering what was it like to to bring their book forward? How did they decide what to bring forward? How were there things that surprised them along the way? Do they have wisdom and advice that they can give us if we're looking at bringing our books forward? So I'm very honored to have each and every one of you joining us today as we tune into a powerful conversation with a beautiful writer that I know you're going to love, his heart, his energy, and what he has brought forward. And it was so powerfully received, it became a number one best-selling book, and it reached best-selling status in multiple categories. So it's very exciting when we have the opportunity to have an author join us that has reached uh, that space and has been able to touch people's lives so quickly and powerfully and bringing their book forward. So I'm excited to have you all joining us. I want to make sure you get the most out of our time together today. And my tip on that is to take a moment and breathe. Sometimes we are rushing so fast we can miss information, we can miss insight, we can miss things that are bubbling up within us because we're moving so fast. And I really want to honor this time together because I know there's something for you by the very nature of you tuning in. So I encourage you to breathe, really choose to be here, mind, body, soul, and spirit. In fact, get a piece of paper so you can capture notes. Both things that our amazing guest is going to share with you, maybe things that you want to lean into. And as he's sharing with us, you may have things bubble up within you too that will help support you in bringing your work forward, bringing your message forward, or you're wanting to lean into his powerful book. And we want to make sure you know how to do that and you're able to capture that. So have that paper and pen or writing utensil ready so you can capture that information and really choose to be present. So as we're connecting in, just take that breath. Know that this time is for you. It is my privilege and honor to introduce our amazing guest, Carlo Travisio. He is a number one bestselling author. He grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and graduated from Columbia College, Chicago, with a degree in film directing. Traversing the worlds of Hollywood and advertising, he has written and produced commercial broadcast campaigns for well-known brands all over the world. He's the son of a Sicilian immigrant and enjoys bringing his passion and appreciation for Sicily to his readers. Please lean in and warmly welcome the powerful and dynamic Carlo Trevisio to the show. Welcome! Hello, thank you for having me. That great introduction. <laughs> thank you, and it is my privilege and honor to have you. And I'd love for us to start our conversation with sharing. Would you share the full title of your book and why you felt led to bring this book forward? Yes, of course. So I wrote a book titled Siciliana, 
Um, Siciliana tells the story of an actual 13th century uprising known as the Sicilian Vespers. And the, the tale is centered around a young woman named Etna Vespiri. She's the daughter of a Sicilian knight who essentially leads the People's Rebellion against the French military who's occupying Sicily at that time. So um, I decided to write the book. Um, I guess I'll start by saying this. So I'm the first-generation son of a Sicilian immigrant family. And growing up, if I mentioned Sicily or my Sicilian heritage to anyone unfamiliar with its past, the typical response included some use of that notorious M-word, mafia. Oh, like the mafia, like the godfather. And mm. if you, like, mention Sicily in literature or film, you might imagine an aging Don stroking a white cat or a low-level mobster running the casino off it. So more often than not, you know, Sicilians are portrayed in popular culture in a negative context, hustlers, gangsters, grifters. And I just felt that my Sicilian heritage deserved better. Um, mm. So I determined that the only way to really confront these negative perceptions was to change the narrative altogether. And I decided that would kind of become my nice quest. Um, enter Siciliana. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Perfect. And and I'm curious. So I love this. I love that you're changing the dialogue. You're wanting to shift that perception and provide new information and maybe even hopefully start to impact how society um, expand their view <laughs> on how they see Sicily and Sicilians and some of the pow- powerful, proud heritage and rich heritage that is there and sharing some of that with all of us. And I love that you've leaned in to do that. And I'm curious, um, why now? Why did it become important to do now, not three years ago, not five years from now? Why was now the time to bring it forward? And how did you go from idea to reality? And bringing That's a great question. So, let me start by saying it took me seven years to write the novel. I set out on okay. this journey in twenty back in 2014, I want to say. Um, after completing my first trip to Sicily, I was celebrating a birthday, and I came mm. home feeling inspired by the nuances of the culture. Um, and I decided to set out on this journey. So I'm a, I'm a fan of fiction and cinema, um, and I just thought that I had a story to tell, and I just needed to bring this forward. And, and I guess you could say the mission behind the book, I think, is fairly universal, right? Like, um, you know, culture is everywhere. And sometimes it's easy to get too caught up in monolithic thinking that we don't see the, those delicate differences in human cultures across the world. Uh, for example, you know, it's easy to lump Italy and Sicily together as, quote, unquote, Italian. But mm-hmm. when you look closely, there are actually very distinct differences. Like, for example... Um, the Sicilian language and cuisine itself is heavily influenced by the Arabic culture who conquered mm-hmm. the island for 500 years. Um, desserts especially. So, you know, the cannoli, mm-hmm. the famous cannoli, you know, from, <laughs> yep, you, know, yep. um, you know, the cannoli was, came from the Arabic influence. Uh, pistachios, the pistachios a, a, and almonds are popular nuts used in a lot of desserts. Again, mm-hmm. that came from the Arabic influence. So, um, this idea of cultural nuance is universal and I think can apply to anybody, not just this book, but um, no matter when what I no matter when I would have wrote this book, I feel like the themes would have been universal either way. Yes. Yeah, I I love that and appreciate just giving us some of those quick examples and and understanding that. What a rich opportunity for us to be able to understand and go deeper culturally. I, I love that. And I'm curious, with seven years, that takes a lot of persistence and commitment. 
to keep going forward over that many years. I'd love to know what kept you going, what encouraged you. And then when it was finally time to bring it forward, how did you know that? Yes, absolutely. So if I can quote one of my favorite authors, Dan Brown, um, Mm -hmm. he has this great... He has this great quote that I read once that completely resonated with me. And he said, protect the process and the results will take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. And what that means is, so when he talks about the process, he means this act of working on your craft every single day. Um, whether it's, you know, writing a paragraph or a page or a few sentences of an idea. But the point is, you need to be doing this every single day. And if you just keep doing that and focus on that daily exercise of your process, over time, you will finally start to see results. The book pages will start piling up. And the, this, you know, writing is such a difficult experience. It's riddled with self-doubt. I mean, Lord knows, I've, I've had my bouts with self-doubt through this entire process. But if you mm. stick to that process, I, you know, seven years it took me, but I stuck to that process. And um, again, over time, you start seeing the pages pile up, and that gives you a lot of um, motivation to keep going. Beautiful. And then how did you know now it's ready to take those next steps? Well, that's a, that's a really great question. So they also say art is never finished. It's abandoned, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of the easy answer, but it, it gets to a point. So um, I guess let me walk you through this. I, I finished my, when I finished my first draft, mm-hmm. I sat with it for about a week. And something wasn't feeling right. I, I just, I, it's just a gut instinct. Like I felt like I wasn't getting to the place I really wanted it to be. So I did a completely new second draft. Mm. And by that time, it's just something feels right. Like, okay, I got it with the second draft. And then what I did was I took it to an editor who helped me develop it even further. And then by that time, after that third draft is when I kind of really fully knew in my gut that it was ready. Um, okay. But even then, like I was still always thinking of new ideas and new things to change. And that's kind of where the abandonment comes in because you could always be tweaking your manuscript. Oh yeah. Like I woke up thinking of new ideas. I woke, I wake up to this day thinking of new ideas for the book. <laughs> oh. so, um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's a combination of kind of like having that artistic instinct, like knowing that you, you've completed what you've set out to do paired with, you know, this idea that eventually you have to kind of just abandon it and let it, and, and just give it to the world. Yes, yes. That it's ready to share um, and and trust the world with it, which which I yeah. love. Because if we keep creating it and creating it, it doesn't get out. <laughs> so I love that of course. you felt into hey, can that. I, can I you... add this as well? Sure, I sure. Was, I was very surprised with my emotional reaction to the book's release. So mm. you, I guess, you know, I'm a first-time author. This was my, my debut historical thriller. And mm-hmm. I guess I didn't know how I was going to feel. And the, the feeling was, I would say, bittersweet. And what I mean by that is I was obviously very proud of this piece of work that I put out into the world. But there, there was a sadness paired with that. And that sadness was this idea of, like, this, this book is no longer mine. It belongs to the audience now. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, I guess I could equate it to, like, when a mother sends her kids off to college. It's kind of like mm-hmm. you're proud of the work they've done and the work they're going to do, but it's sad to kind of let them go. Um, yeah. So I just thought that was a very interesting experience that I went through. 
Oh, thank you for sharing. Because there's definitely um, an emotional connection to what we create and and bring forward. So I appreciate you sharing about that. Um, and I don't. I think that happens with every book, so not just the first book. <laughs> so I I think that's important to to touch on. I so appreciate you sharing. We are getting ready to go to our first commercial break. And as we do that, listeners, I want you to think about some of the rich insight and tips and sharing that Carla has already given us and that willingness to build a daily practice and a commitment to bring forward what's being called to bring forward. And then also knowing when it's time to bring it forward and get support, bring in the editor, take those steps to release it into the world and trust it. And even honoring some of the feelings and emotions that that go along with that. So really great things to kind of think about, reflect on. Are you building that into your life, into what you're bringing it forward. And I think that's a key to going from someday to today is building the steps and then listening to that, that gut. I love that Carlo talked about that as well. This gut guiding us, letting us know when it's time to take that next step and trusting it, or if something needs to be reworked, trusting that as well and um, then allowing it to be released in the world. So think about those things. We'll be back in two minutes and continue our conversation. a powerful new TV channel featuring programs designed to enhance and transform your life. Make powerful connections one program at a time. And by doing so, we can bring transformation to the world. Tune in each week to Empowered Connections TV as we add new programs to help you make empowered connections of your own. Visit EmpoweredConnectionsTV.com. That's EmpoweredConnectionsTV.com. And make the most of an incredible life transformation. Rebecca Hall Greider's Speaker Talent Search is looking for speakers wanting to get on more stages. With just one audition, you could open the doors to hundreds of speaking opportunities, reach more people, and expand your impact. Finalists get to audition live in front of leaders looking to fill all kinds of speaking opportunities. Apply now at SpeakerTalentSearch.com. That's SpeakerTalentSearch.com. We look forward to hearing your message. Explore the poetry of Sam Yao. His book of poems, Soul's Journey, is a number one international bestseller. Sam is a contemporary poet with a unique and highly relatable poetic style to convey the essence of spiritual truths for our time. Readers will find beauty, inspiration, and healing in his words. Get his book, Soul's Journey, today on Amazon.com or visit SamYaoPoetry.com. That's SamYaoPoetry.com. Welcome back, everyone. I hope you enjoyed those two minutes and an opportunity to kind of think about, are you feeling that pull? Are you connecting with what Carlo's sharing? I loved how... He he knew when it was time, like he had that commitment for seven years every day doing those things to bring forward what he wanted to bring forward in the world and his commitment to doing that and trusting the process. I love that he knew when to bring it forward. And behind the scenes, we were talking a little bit about how he shared that he still has ideas that that come up today that he thinks about could be in that book or could be added. So that creation 
and um, what could be is still coming up. And so I asked if he would share a little bit about what he does with that, these new ideas that are popping up or insights, the books now out in the world. Um, what is he doing with that? So Carla, would you share, what are you doing with those new ideas and insights and things that are continuing to pour in? Absolutely. So I, I believe to I believe in never wasting an idea. So everything that I think of, I have a document on my Mac that I just have, like, it's called ideas, and I keep it in the folder. And I write down every single thought that comes through my mind related to novels. Um, mm. So whether or not I'm going to use it in a sequel or in a new book is still to, to be determined, but I can give you a very specific example. So in Siciliana, sure. I originally, I wrote a scene in the book that's no longer in the book. It's a deleted scene, per se, it's like uh, if you want to compare it to a film. But I wrote mm-hmm. this scene, which was essentially like a chase scene through Palermo Market. And in, in, in second and third draft, just, I just didn't feel like it was working very well. So I decided to cut the whole chasing out. It's no longer there. However, um, it was still a really cool, action-driven, suspenseful scene, in my opinion. And so what I'm going to do is probably in my next book, which is not going to be a sequel, it's going to be a completely original idea, I'm most likely going to use that chase scene, or at least the guts of it, and just use it again and, in, and just tell it in a different way in a new story. Um, so that's a, a way, that's an example of how you can, even if you're cutting writing out of your book or if you have ideas that just might not work, you can easily apply them to your next project and no one would ever know the difference. Oh, I, I love that. And I love that nothing is ever wasted or um, missed, that you're capturing all of that and you're allowing it to unfold and come forward in the way and format it's called to come forward. Um, so I love that. What a great tip to create an ideas place <laughs> that we capture all yeah. those ideas and insights. Beautiful. I love it. Is there something that surprised you as you were getting ready to to bring it forward? Was there something that just kind of surprised you in the process that you didn't know you didn't know? Well, I guess I could say that I was very, um, let me start by saying this. I, I have a lot of family in Sicily still. And I have a lot of second cousins here in the U.S. who I really don't talk to. We just, we, our family tree is so large, you don't really, you don't really know everybody, right? Um, but when, when, the, when, the, uh, when the novel finally went live back in March and it was available for purchase, and the word spread on social media, family members were sharing it everywhere, I started hearing from second cousins here in the States that I've actually never talked to. And so I was having conversations with, you know, extended family members for the first time in my life um, about this book and about what it meant to them and how proud they were of it and how cool it was to see Sicilian culture being portrayed as it was and to see a strong female hero at the center. Um, so it kind of opened up the stream into my own family, which I really didn't have access to, which I thought was a really cool experience. And we're still talking to this day, oh. obviously. I love that. I mean, how neat to be received in that way and then form a new kind of connection in, in a, an additional way with those family members to create dialogue and connection. I love that. So I, I celebrate that with you and, and your family and really honoring Thank you. Um, such. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really, really neat. And to be received in that way, because I think what I have found when I, when I talk with authors right before the book is, we call it launched or released into the world. So it's gone through all of the 
mechanical things it needs to go through. So it's gone through the creation part. It's gone through the editing, the formatting, the cover design, all of those pieces. And you're about to hit that word publish (laughs) and have it shared in the world. There are these feelings and these nerves as you're entrusting your, your baby, your firstborn here, your firstborn novel to the world and sharing it with them and hoping that it's going to be received beautifully and positively and powerfully. And then to have a response like that, that's so personal is, is really, really neat. Are there any other either? I I don't know if you had any of those emotions when you hit that word publish and um, how did it feel? And when it was received by your family and others, how did that feel? Well, again, I'll start by saying it was completely bittersweet. I, I will say the first couple days, I guess I would equate to a feeling of extreme anxiety. <laughs> um, you just, you know, once it's out of your hands, you just never know what's going to happen. Um, you know, will people like it? Will they not? Will you get rave reviews? Will, will it get destroyed on the Internet? Like, who knows? And obviously you can't, if, if it's out of your control, you really can't worry too much about it. Um, but I was actually really really pleasantly surprised to see that the book is actually getting really good reviews on Amazon, on social media. I have a lot of, uh, so I have an author page on Facebook and I'm getting a lot of people who I don't know, obviously like, you know, unique readers who are raving about the book and how much it's resonating Mm. with them and how it's a page turner. And I'm seeing this and it's just, it just makes me feel like, um, wow. It's like, it's, it's just really resonating with the audience. And it's just, that's a, it's an amazing feeling to have. Oh, I, I love it. And so was it worth the, the seven years and the anxiety and the trust and releasing it with the world? Are you glad that you did it? Absolutely. Because I had a story to tell regardless mm-hmm. of whether or not, and I made, I made this contract with myself when I started. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I basically told myself, I'm not going to get caught up on the results. I'm telling the story for me. I'm telling the story because I feel like I have a mission. I have a why. Mm-hmm. I have a I have a nice quest per se. That's kind of what I call it. My book is about nice, and that's why I call it the nice quest. A uh, mm-hmm. little, little tie-in. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I say that because I, I, I decided early on I was not going to get hung up on the results. That I was doing this for me. That I had I owed it to myself, to my family, to my culture to get this done. That if the book was to succeed or fail, that wouldn't matter getting it done was the goal. So that's kind of what drove me through the entire process. That's what kept me going for seven years. And the fact that the book is actually resonating with readers is just icing on the cake at this point. Oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing. Because I do think we can get um, just stopped because we worry so much about the results, how it's going to be received. And we um, worry and spend so much energy on those things that we can't control. But you're right. If we go back to why the mission, I'm completing that. I'm sharing this. I'm honoring that. And I'm bringing it to the world. And then their response is their response. But I have completed my mission. I have shared it in a way that honors what I was called to do. That's a really powerful place to stand and to bring forward. And, and listeners, I hope you're hearing that, that really focusing on your mission, what you're called to to bring forward, not shortchanging any of that, give it the time that it needs, honor that, and then trust that it'll go out in the world that it in the way that it needs to. Because I think, so this, I'm not putting words in your mouth, Carlo, here, I, I'll own this. <laughs> I think that 
when we stand clearly in our purpose and our why, and we make a contract or an agreement or say yes to a mission, that there's a reason that mission was placed in us. There's a reason it's being called forth. And when we honor that and we do say yes and bring it forward, it will have an impact and will make a difference and touch people's hearts and lives because we've been called. And so I feel like that's a calling and we don't need to get so caught up in what someone says or what they think, but really honoring the mission. And I don't know, Carlo, if you have any thoughts about that or something you'd like to add to that. No, I think you completely nailed it. I mean, yes, I I truly believe that if you're, if you're following your why to its core, that it will, that, that authenticity will come through and it will find an audience and a readership. And it may be small at first, you know, my, mine is currently small, but if you stick to that authenticity, I, I truly believe that's where the truly great art, novels, films really do come from. Mm, beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Now we've been talking so much about the journey and we've talked a little bit about your powerful book. And I was wondering if you would be willing to give us a taste, perhaps a little bit of a reading so we can experience some of your powerful book. Yes, absolutely. So I picked a section that's actually, um, it takes place before the prologue. So uh, it's, I guess you would call it a, a sort of a, a lead into the story. So if, I guess I would equate it if you watch a film and you kind mm-hmm. of see like the, the little title pop up that explain kind of where you are in the story. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of what this is in the form, in a, in a novel form per se. So I'm just going to read you this passage and I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. In the early 1960s, volcanologists digging on a crater of Sicily's active volcano, Mount Etna, found an ancient papyrus scroll wrapped in a preserved sheepskin. The fragile missive read, Aprilie, 1282. I've forgotten much about my childhood years, but I remember the lava. The roaring fountain of red molten rock erupting from the black earth. The glowing orange serpent slithering down the flanks of the volcano. Deliberately violently. Yet in the path of its devastation came new growth from the ugly soil, new life, a new era. I am lava. I am Siciliana. And that's the end. I was like, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I love it. So that's, that's what you get before Beautiful. the first chapter of the prologue. Beautiful. Thank you. And it gives everyone a feel. And I felt myself instantly pulled in and wanting more. So very dramatic, very powerful. Um, Thank you for sharing and giving us a taste. I appreciate it. And if I may add, so there was an audio edition of this novel. Nice. And it actually just came out um, this week. And uh, a female voiceover artist does the reading. And she has an an Italian accent. And she, she just has this beautiful voice that, I really recommend you check out. Oh, I love that. I love that you've brought it forward in multiple formats. So what what formats? So we have it in um, print format. We have it in audio format. Are there any other formats that you have it in? Soft cover, hardcover, um, Kindle, what formats? Yep, everything. Hardcover, paperback, Kindle, ebook, and audiobook. And it's, it's fully available on most sites that sell books, not just Amazon. So Barnes and Noble, Walmart, you name it. 
Beautiful. I love that. So you can, listeners out there, you can choose your favorite format. We are getting ready to go to our next commercial break. And I promise when we come back, we'll let you know how you can connect with Carlo on a deeper level and where you can access his book that you have all that information. It sounds like it's available in many places, which I love to hear. So I want you to take a couple moments. These commercial breaks are built in on purpose for you. It's an opportunity to reflect on what's been shared. See what's speaking to your heart, what's speaking to your spirit. Are there things that you want to connect with Carlo on on a deeper level? Are there things bubbling up within you that you're wanting to follow up on? So take these next minute to two minutes, this time for you to really sink into what is bubbling up within you, what's speaking to you. And we'll continue our conversation in just a moment. a powerful new TV channel featuring programs designed to enhance and transform your life. Make powerful connections one program at a time. And by doing so, we can bring transformation to the world. Tune in each week to Empowered Connections TV as we add new programs to help you make empowered connections of your own. Visit EmpoweredConnectionsTV.com. That's EmpoweredConnectionsTV.com. And make the most of an incredible life transformation. Rebecca Hall Greider's Speaker Talent Search is looking for speakers wanting to get on more stages. With just one audition, you could open the doors to hundreds of speaking opportunities, reach more people, and expand your impact. Finalists get to audition live in front of leaders looking to fill all kinds of speaking opportunities. Apply now at SpeakerTalentSearch.com. That's SpeakerTalentSearch.com. We look forward to hearing your message. Explore the poetry of Sam Yao. His book of poems, Soul's Journey, is a number one international bestseller. Sam is a contemporary poet with a unique and highly relatable poetic style to convey the essence of spiritual truths for our time. Readers will find beauty, inspiration, and healing in his words. Get his book, Soul's Journey, today on Amazon.com or visit SamYaoPoetry.com. That's SamYaoPoetry.com. Welcome back, everyone. I hope you enjoyed those, that, those moments, that time to really just think about what you're bringing forward, whether it's a book, a mission, a message. What sorts of things can you do to start to bring that forward? And what resources would be really great to have in your library, so to speak, to support you? What tools can you add to your toolbox? And I believe that Carlo has shared a lot of great tips and insights and candidly what, what the journey has been like for him and what's helped him bring his book forward. He's also given us a taste of his powerful book and his why. To me, that stood out so powerfully, his why. He was so crystal clear on why he was doing this, what he was bringing forward, what his mission was, and that helped carry him the distance and to be able to bring it forward. And so I just encourage you at the end of today's show, take a couple of moments to really sink into those messages that are supportive of you, to be able to find a way, a couple steps that you can take to bring those into your life and into your journey. Because again, I know that your mission, that pull in your heart's important. 
and it's needed. So be willing to lean in and say, yes, find those steps to bring it forward. So again, Carla and I were chatting a little bit behind the scenes, just reflecting on the show a little bit. And there were a couple of things that I wanted to make sure that we touched on. So one, as we were bringing the last segment to a close, he was mentioning all the different formats that he has his book available in. And I think that's something as an author to think about what are the formats, the ways that people could lean into your book, not just always your favorite way, the favorite format you like, but what are the ways you can reach all the people that your book, your message, your mission is called to reach and explore bringing it forward in those platforms and in those formats. So whether it's Kindle, Audible, Amazon, or other platforms, really explore that and see where it can serve at the highest level. And then I'd love for you to take a moment, give us your full title again for anyone who missed it previously. And I'd love for you to describe your cover because it's very dramatic. It's very powerful and it ties into the energy of your book. I'd love for people to have a feel for that, a visual, and it'll also help them go and looking. Can you describe your cover and the full title again? Yes, of course. The full title of the book is called Siciliana. And the cover is one of my favorite things to talk about. Um, so as you mentioned, if you, if you look on the cover, you see this striking visual of the image of Medusa. You see three legs and artichokes spiraled around her. And basically, that symbol is a stylized interpretation of the flag of Sicily. So if you go on, if you go on Google right now and you Google the Sicilian flag, you'll get an image of Medusa with the three legs. Um, so what I wanted to do was I wanted to pay homage to that symbol on the cover of the book. Uh, because in, in the story, Etna Vespiri, who is destined to become the Siciliana, the hero, she actually creates the Sicilian flag. So the story on top of this revolution story is also kind of like an origin story for how the nation of Sicily was founded, including the creation of the flag. Mm. Now, that, that symbol is called the Gorgonian Trinacria, the Gorgonian Trinacria. And there's not really a lot of um, information on how this symbol was created. Uh, I did a lot of research, and it's, there's not much. Um, they say it was developed originally in ancient Greece, but that's as far as it goes. They didn't say who it came, who it came from or any real specific meaning behind it. So that, that gave me a lot of creative license in the story to really break down each of the, I guess you could say, symbolic elements of that symbol and really kind of give them meaning. Nice. Which I talk about in the book. So in the book, nice. you'll discover the meaning of Medusa, why the three legs, why the three artichoke buds around the legs. Like I discuss all those symbols and they're integrated into the story itself. Beautiful. I love that. So right from the beginning, you're creating this connection, you're showing the history, it ties in fully to your message, to your story. It connects with the history. I think it's really dynamic, powerful, and intriguing. It's one of those you see it and you're pulled in, which is beautiful to have with a cover. And it's a great thing to think about those of you who are being called to bring your book forward. Pay attention to the cover how it's connecting, what is it communicating, how is it tying into your message, your book, the content, how is it connecting, why is it important? So you really want to go deep in that and make sure the connection is there and it's going to build that connection with your readers. And I feel like 
yours does. And it has that instant um, impact when you see it. Uh, so really, really well done. And I love that you're not giving it all away. They have to read the book to know all the connections <laughs> <laughs> and why. <laughs> why it's designed yes. in the way it is. I love that. And if I may and add, then, if I, may oh, add sure. this, I mean, there's that old adage, don't judge a book by its cover, um, which has, has its value in some context. But in, in my opinion, when it comes to designing your book cover, you should really treat that like that's your first impression. And like you mentioned, that's what the reader is going to see that catches their eye. Um, I got a lot of feedback on social media uh, um, by, you know, people commenting saying, I stopped here because I saw this striking cover. I want to know more. So it really is your first hook to get the reader interested. So I would definitely recommend to spend time thinking about your design, your font choices, your color choices. All of those really do matter um, on how you present yourself and what's really going to attract the reader's attention. Exactly. And we find that's the first thing people look at is the cover and the title. And I don't know, sometimes people look at the image first, sometimes the title first, but they're kind of <laughs> neck and neck there, what, what people look at. And then they decide to go further based on that. So it really is an important connection point. And I think sometimes the authors get so focused and it's such a journey to bring the content forward. They can be a little tired when it comes to the cover. <laughs> so I think it's important to refresh and really focus and remember how important that is to catching the eye of the reader that the, this book will serve. And I love how you did that and the great feedback that you're getting on that. It's so worth the extra energy and time and attention because it makes such a difference to the impact your book can have. Um, so thank you for, for sharing that. And then I know that you had a secondary mission. I sometimes call it a stealth mission, but a secondary mission in your book. So would you share what that is as well? And I love that you have multiple missions you're bringing forward with your book. Yes, of course. So conservation is one of my biggest passions. Um, when I'm not writing, I'm, I'm working on a, some kind of conservation effort. I do advocacy for multiple conservation organizations, um, including UNESCO and the World Wildlife Fund, who I feature in my bio. And um, as part of writing Siciliana, it's obviously coming from a, a place of wanting to honor the culture, but it's also conserving the culture, so to speak. Um, for example, in the book, I chose my locations very strategically. So there are, there are these so the U.N. has a program called UNESCO, which um, manage heritage sites around the world. They're essentially protected historical sites that are, you know, just under the protection of the U.N. And Sicily has many of them. Oh, I don't know, seven or above. And what I did was I chose the location specifically um, that you can actually go see them to this day because they're protected by the U.N. So you can go to Palermo, the capital of Sicily, and you can walk through the castles and walk through the cathedrals and walk among the ruins that are still there that I feature in the book. And part of that was to bring awareness to these issues, these um, conservation-related issues. And another example, if I may, um, mm-hmm. one of the main characters, his name is Don Rapace. He's, he's kind of a renegade knight working in Palermo on behalf of the Sicilians. He, he practices falconry. He carries around this golden eagle that he, he works with. And the golden eagle is also a protected species in Sicily, um, which I wanted to very strategically choose and bring awareness to. Sicily has this great raptor conservation program called Life Con Rossi, where they protect all of the native birds of prey on the island. And, again, that's just a little hint that there's this 
deeper level to Sicilian culture that has this conservation bend to it between their architectural heritage sites and their your native wildlife, per se. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing. And I love that you um, are bringing attention to that because you're able to build these layers into what matters to you, what's on your heart to bring forward. And you can have multiple missions woven into what you're bringing forward. It doesn't just have to be one thing. And it can be strategic about what you choose to include from location to details to be on purpose for those things that matter to you that you're really wanting to bring forward. And I just, I love that you've done that and you're so in alignment with those things that are on your heart and are on mission for you. And that that echoes out and what you've created and brought to the world. So I celebrate that. I appreciate you sharing on that level with us today. And as we get closer to the end of our time together, I'd love for you to share any final tips or suggestions you can give to our writers out there, or those who are called to bring their message forward. Yes, of course. I'd like to answer this in two parts, if I can. Sure. So my first piece of advice is to truly commit to being a student to the craft of storytelling. And that sounds generic, but this is, this is what I mean. I, I heard this, this analogy once. If you look out at the highway, and you, you'll see many types of vehicles, sedans, SUVs, minivans, semi-trucks, you name it. But if you pop the hood on all of those machines, you're going to get the same components. You're going to get some semblance of an engine, axles, four wheels, an exhaust. And you can look at storytelling the same way, no matter what story you're telling, a ro- romance, thriller, action-adventure, memoir all consist of the same parts related to storytelling. And um, I'd really recommend starting with Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey archetype and go Mm -hmm. from there because that archetype kind of shows you the ancient template that goes back as far as, I don't know, ancient Greece of, of what it takes to tell a truly captivating story. So study those elements, and I think no matter what genre you're in, it will completely resonate with your audience. Beautiful. Uh, the second piece is that given the impossibility of pleasing everybody, which is going to happen, you, my, my advice is like you should really go in trusting your own taste and run with that for a while. I mean, you'll eventually get to the point where you have to share your work with others and you'll start getting feedback. But until you get to that point, really let your own taste guide you through the process. Um, because like the, the way that I did it is I wrote a book that I wanted to read and I was going to do it no matter what. And it just so happens that people are connecting with it, which is great. Um, but that's really where you need to start. Trust your own taste and write the book that you want to read and just trust that other readers will have will share in your taste. Some may not, but many most likely will. Yes. Beautiful. Thank you so much for your insight, your tips. I, I appreciate that. And I'm just going to add to that um, final tip that you shared about really listening to your voice Sometimes I find authors can lose their voice. They can lose their focus because they get too much input too early. And I think it's really smart to honor what you're called to bring forward and to bring forward something you love, you're proud of, that you're called to do and stand in that because if it's your mission to bring forward, it's yours to bring forward, not theirs. They might bring it forward in a different way if it was their mission, (laughs) but this is yours. (laughs) So really having that strong and in place before you have others come in and give input so that you can weigh it and, and decide 
what still honors your mission. Um, I'm so glad you honored your mission and you were very clear and you kept pursuing and bringing that forward. Congratulations on your book, becoming a number one bestseller, being so powerfully received, getting those reviews already, such amazing impact. We're looking forward to all that you will be bringing forward and into the world. And with that, what is uh, the best way for people to connect with you, to go deeper, to get a copy of your book? Yes. Yeah, so I have, um, I have, Two websites, thececilianna.com and carlotreviso.com, my name. Both point to the same place. I'm also on all the social media channels. My handle is at Treviso Author. So I'm on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, um, Twitter, and TikTok, if you believe it. So <laughs> Great. At, at Treviso Author, you can follow me on any of those platforms or go to my website. Perfect. And is that where they'll also find links to purchase the book or should they write down a, a different way to do that? Yep. My my website includes the links to buy the book on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, you name it. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, for sharing. Congratulations on your, your beautiful success. And we look forward to staying in touch and, and following. And all of our listeners out there, I want to thank you for joining us today. And if those of you are on the journey, looking to bring your book forward, looking to navigate those waters or pop the hood, as, as you were saying, and kind of know what the components are for bringing a book forward, we wanted to make some resources available to you. You can find them at emergingauthorseries.com, Emerging author series with an s.com and you'll find several different ebooks that you can choose a subject that you want to know more about what do you need to publish or i've written my book now what myths and truths about publishing what is launching all of those types of questions that were asked all the time in the in the publishing and launching world you'll find um in that section. There's nine different books that you can choose from. They are a gift to you and hope that they serve and support you on your journey because your message matters. It's absolutely needed in the world. It's a mission. If we go back to some of what Carlo shared with us today, that it's a mission, honor that mission, take those steps, be willing to bring it forward because the world needs the missions that are placed on your heart. So lean in, keep writing, keep sharing, and we'll look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you for tuning in to The Author's Journey. Please join Rebecca Hall Greider for another edition of The Author's Journey podcast every Monday on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until we talk again, use some of the tips and inspiration from today's show to guide you as you lean in to bringing your message forward. Your message forward.